As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's the Totally Football Show today. CR7, no relation to Blake 7, but bringing just as much drama to Old Trafford Saturday. We ask Ron and Jay Links which returning red did it better. Elsewhere, Liverpool win in Leeds but lose Harvey Elliott. Chelsea and Man City roll on. There's a surprise for Spurs in South London as this palace unveil an Edward that she does some work. And much, much more. All of it coming up in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. 13th of September today, and you're tuned to The Totally Football Show. Many thanks for joining us. Uh, with us, the vocal delights of Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. Good morning, James. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How is Daniel's story? Very well, thank you, James. Good morning. Good. And let's check in with Carl Anker, too. Ahoy, hoy, James. Good. Traditional. Uh, Daniel, you've got back from Warsaw in your first live game in 18 months. How was it? Yeah, it was great. Um, very weird. Uh, I felt a little bit more comfortable at Leicester on Saturday than swanning around Warsaw, if I'm honest. Um, well, but yeah. yeah, really, really good. Okay, good. So you went to the Leicester Man City game as well? Yes, yeah, there on Saturday. I'm back there on Thursday as well. Right, for the Napoli match. Interesting, interesting. All right, well, we'll, we'll talk about a, a lot of that stuff. Uh, many talking points from the weekend. What would be your big kind of takeaway from the last couple of days, Dom? I suppose it's it's been a weekend of debuts or second debuts, you could argue. Um, a lot of strikers hitting their strides early on. Ronaldo, Lukaku, Odson Edouard um, at my place on Saturday. Um, I've enjoyed that. Um, I don't know how long that form will last, but let's uh, let's enjoy it while it does. Well, absolutely. Hey, Carl, is that a similar theme for you? I think it's talent ceilings. I can't make heads or tails of about three or four clubs in the Premier League just yet. I know, you know, four games, small sample size, but are Aston Villa good or not? I can't figure that one out. Mm. Maybe we can help you in the course of <laughs> mm-hmm. today's show. The results, anyway, Saturday kicked the round off with a Palace toppling table-topping Tottenham performance at Selhurst Park. Uh, 3-0, Scotland there with a brace from new signing Otson Eduard. Uh, first goals of the season for Wolves in their 2-0 win over Watford. And Arsenal 
in their 1-0 victory against Norwich. Elsewhere, it was goalless for Saints and West Ham. Uh, 1-0 wins for Brighton over Brentford and Man City at Leicester, while Chelsea beat Villa 3-0 and Liverpool beat Leeds by the same scoreline but lost Harvey Elliott to a dislocated ankle. In amongst all of that, one very big game at Old Trafford Saturday afternoon. Man United romping to a 4-1 win over Newcastle. And yes, that's where we start. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Greenwoods went for goal. Goalkeeper's missed it! We've been waiting 12 years for this, so drink it in. Ronnie's back where he belongs. Yep, CR7 dwarves everything. Ronaldo making his return with a brace. Uh, Bruno Fernandes also contributing a banger. Jesse Lingard running perhaps Ronaldo close in the returning legend getting on the score sheet stakes. And also, I mentioned for Paul Bogba, who got two more assists as United go on top of the table. In as much, Carl, as we can draw any conclusions from a game against Newcastle, we can at least say, hey, Ronaldo's not the new Alexis Sanchez. Yes, I think that's fair to say. I caught a flight to Spain, watched the game legally at three o'clock and then flew back to the United Kingdom. Uh, I thought that was fine. Yeah, uh, it was a very much a Cristiano Ronaldo performance, uh, a post, you know, latter stage Real Madrid, Juventus stage performance from him. He showed great second movement to get that first goal. So if you watch the replays before Mason Green even begins his shot, Ronaldo's beginning movement towards the goal. Um, the second goal he gets, really good uh, movement of feet to get it out from right to left to get that, you know, not make the goalkeeper. So that's good. But to be mildly disrespectful to Steve Bruce's Newcastle, Manchester United don't need Cristiano Ronaldo to be a team of that quality. Newcastle were okay. You know, they defend deep and they sprung some very good counterattacks. And there were still the same old weaknesses we saw in this Manchester United side in defensive midfield. But... I can understand why a lot of Manchester United fans were very, very, very happy about how Saturday went. I can also understand why a number of Manchester United fans felt conflicted and not so happy. Um, so, you know, it'd be remiss of me to not mention the plane that flew over Old Trafford and certain individuals that were present for that game. Um, so it's a interesting time to be a Manchester United fan. Yeah, the, the off-field question's then, then present. But in terms of the way that the team functioned, and as Carl says, it was Newcastle, did witnessing this now armed and fully operational United, Daniel, did it change your view at all about their prospects this season? Not really. I think what it does do is it, it kind of adds an extra layer of paper over cracks. And you could argue that Cristiano Ronaldo is more cardboard than paper in that regard. And I think he probably will score 20 league goals this season. And, um, you know, that had that didn't happen last season, for example. Um, but there are still those same issues. You know, Carl mentioned the midfield was still very open. They they effectively played with a, a front five. If you think that Paul Pogba is doing a lot more attacking than defending, and kind of one man, Nemanja Matic, waving the white flag as Newcastle try and counter attack. Better teams than United than, than than Newcastle, and teams that have got their first choice striker available which which Newcastle didn't in Callum Wilson will punish that and I think there's also a bit of a question sort of slightly being generated here about Jadon Sancho it's very early in his United career but you see so many times he, he kind of plays the ball back and then darts forward which he'd do at Dortmund and he'd get the pass and he'd be in behind and then he'd play the ball across 
in the first half particularly, they just seem to be looking to cross for Ronaldo's head, which is it's not an illogical option because he scores an awful lot of headers. But I kind of thought they'd signed Jadon Sancho to do something a little bit different than that. And I know they signed Sancho mm. before Ronaldo, so you know maybe they just both have to learn to to deal with each other, and maybe they won't always be on the pitch at the same time together. But yeah, Sancho just looks a little bit like he doesn't seem to know why he's been signed yet. You can talk to Van der Beek about that, perhaps. Although his issues potentially won't be that ongoing. I'm not sure if Ronaldo is kind of there for a good time rather than a, a long time at his kind of advanced age. Pogba, as you say, more in the attacking role than the defensive. But with another couple of assists, that takes him out to seven for the season. Dom, celebrating the positives of this Man United performance. It was, it was freewheeling. It was fun. It was thrilling. Yeah, it was a dismissal of of uh, a struggling team, and it felt just watching it, the highlights from it, it felt like a United dismissal of a previous era. To be honest, it, it felt that I mean, and the fact that Ronaldo was part of it all and integral to to much of it, um, sort of tapped into that that idea as well. I mean, I don't know how how far they'll go this season. I don't I don't know whether. You know, I suspect that the better teams, the the other contenders, will exploit the weaknesses that still exist in that United setup. But I think that they will. I don't think they'll slip up as much against mediocre teams as they used to. And they've got a, a real ruthless finisher now in their midst as well. And I, I mean, in the build up to this debut, we talking to various people who'd worked with Ronaldo over the years. Paul Clement was principal amongst them, and he he, he was saying that the the biggest benefit from Ronaldo coming to to United will be the the influence he has on people like Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho as well, and and I, I think we will see that in time. I think I think off the field um, around Carrington, um, the way that these guys train, the way that they live their lives, I think they will pick up because they are rubbing shoulders with a consummate professional. In that regard, so there will be a benefit to United whether Ronaldo scores twenty or twenty-five, thirty goals a season. Anyway, the other goal is pretty special in this game as well. Which did you prefer, uh, Carl? The the, the Bruno Fernandes uh, monster shot or the, the delicious Jesse Lingard uh, finish? Uh, I'll go for Jesse Lingard on this yeah. one. Really nice, mm. quick interchanging, and it, it's quite fun watching Lingard really stake his claim in this Manchester United team. I think what's become very evident since his loan deal at West Ham is that he is a consummate professional. Um, so despite accusations that he's focused on his logos and fragrances and whatnot, uh, he, he will definitely get a surprising amount of game time for Manchester United this season. I can I expect to see him perform some sort of role against young boys um, in the Champions League this week as well. Right. Young boys. Young boys. Young boys, that's early Tuesday, kicking off the Champions League midweek. Uh, sorry, Dom. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question of somebody who's, who watches United more regularly than I do. But what impact Carl has, has Rafael Varane had so far? And are there any indications of him striking up a proper partnership and understanding with Harry Maguire? Or is it simply too early to say it? He's going to be the bath plug in that very leaky transitional defence of Manchester United I think you know I, I'll probably be on this podcast talking about where's my defensive midfielder in the way I used to talk about where's my director of football but Varane's recovery pace 
and his ability to manipulate space and jockey attackers into less dangerous areas will basically do the job of what a rookie or raw defensive midfielder would do. Uh, I think he's already struck up a rapport with Paul Pogba. He knows Cristiano Ronaldo from their time at Real Madrid. He's, he, I think it will be a similar effect to Edison Cavani in that you bring in a proven winner and a very decorated and respected football player. And he also just brings another layer to a lot of football players there. One big thing will be his impact on Aaron Wambasaka because Wambasaka last season and the season before that was really weak towards crosses directed towards the back post. He used to stand too close to Victor Lindelof. So if Lindelof missed the header, Wambasaka was also just caught napping. Um, whereas Varane is less likely to be caught napping to those crosses directed towards the back stick. So um, he's going to be asked a lot of questions. Uh, and he's answered them pretty well so far. Brilliant. Well, United then with a new bath plug in the shape of Varane and an extra piece of cardboard in the, in the shape of Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, <laughs> continuing their excellent start. Spurs, who were top, we'll hear about shortly. Man City, well, they beat Leicester comfortably. Chelsea, anything but comfortable with Aston Villa, yet somehow won 3-0. And Liverpool thumped Leeds uh, also 3-0 in that game, overshadowed, of course, by Harvey Elliott's injury. We, we were talking in the build-up to this game about Harvey Elliott, the kind of role, the kind of impact he could have on Liverpool's season. It's going to be a very different kind of couple of months for the young man now. A lot of people making the connection after this game between the injury to the young midfielder and, and the kind of more laissez-faire approach to refereeing. And indeed Klopp's own warnings about that earlier on in the season, about how you know, it might take a serious injury to a, a big player before uh, before that was readdressed. Is that a fair link to make? I, personally, I think that's kind of making the result fit with the opinion rather than you know necessarily one naturally leading to the other. We have seen these before, where you know we, we've seen challenges produce serious injuries long before this initiative. We've also seen. Uh, tackles where the ball is won, the man is taken and a red card's produced and no one can quite agree because it's fairly subjective whether the red card is deserved or not or given because of a serious injury. Um, I don't necessarily think one equals the other. Um, I think this was just a, a pretty unfortunate incident. I don't. I think Leeds are, are physical. I think Pascal Stroik is a physical player. I don't think he went in thinking, well, the game's letting the game flow here so I can... I can dive in and try and win the ball. It was slightly lunging, I think, but uh, it's one of those that if, if your team commits the foul, you think it's a brilliant tackle. And if your player gets a serious injury, you think it's a disgraceful tackle. I think that's just the very nature of it. It's interesting that the, the commentary on Sky and on the BBC, the initial reaction was great tackle from both commentators. Mm -hmm. They both said it. I think it was Martin Tyler and, and Wilson, I think possibly at that uh, Ellen Ride. And, and, which I mean, you look at it at full speed, and until you realise that that poor Harvey Elliott is sitting there and his ankles, well, his foot's dangling at completely the wrong angle. Um, I, I sort of my instinct was the same. I thought he, I thought he got in and got the ball and done done well, but it's a trailing leg and it's and it comes through and it lands on the ankle and it ends up being fairly horrific. And then when you do slow it down, he is off. He is off the ground slightly as he comes into. The, into the tackle, so therefore not technically in control, and therefore endangering, and clearly endangering an opponent. I mean, it's 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 dreadful, dreadful, dreadful luck for Harvey Elliott, who was playing out of his skin and and really, really doing 
doing well for Liverpool and showing that he deserved to be in that in that team. Um, but he'll he's young. He'll he'll come back stronger from it. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Pascal Schroit shown the red card for the challenge. Liverpool were already two 0 up uh, at this point in the game. Uh, Mo Salah had opened the scoring, becoming the thirtieth player to join the Premier League one hundred club. Only four men have reached their century quicker than him. Shearer, Kane, Aguero, Henri. What does that tell us about Mo Salah? He's undoubtedly a Premier League great. I think he's a very curious player in that he has achieved incredible accolades for this Liverpool team, but sometimes often doesn't get discussed as one of the the better players in the world. Whereas, you know, you, you, raw numbers, look at the record, like, yeah, that, that's absolutely one of the best players in the world. And perhaps it's because he's playing in this sort of quasi-winger forward role rather than out-and-out out number nine. Perhaps it's, it's because he plays for not a traditional footballing great at the World Cup stage, at least in you know, Egypt, very good at African Cup of Nations. But that record, you should be talked about constantly as being one of the best wingers in the Premier League or one of the best strikers in the Premier League, which he, which he, do you mean? He, he certainly plays like one. So I don't know why we don't talk about it more. Okay. I feel like we talk about Mozart quite a lot, but I do take your point, Carl, <laughs> possibly not in glowing enough terms. Anyway, Fabinho made it 2-0. Rare set-piece goal conceded by Leeds there. And Sadio Mane eventually got the third. Crikey. That's his 99th goal for Liverpool. So, Took you know. 10 shots against Leeds that day. It was really... So Sadio Mane is one of the more inventive thinkers in football. You can really see it when he's, you know, the cogs are wearing in his brain. He's going, right, if I do this and do this and do this and do this, maybe something will come off. And it, you know, in his 2018, 2019, when he's in his pomp, it's quite thrilling to watch how he's, you know, it's a bit like a, a rock climber just sort of working out how to get to the top. But when it's not in good form, it's still thrilling watching the sort of increased desperation as he's snatching at shots. Um, he, he'll be good for that goal and I'll, he'll probably have a little run after this now which he probably needs because he was looking not great hmm. Leeds need, but need a bit of a run uh, 17th no wins yet 4 goals scored 11 conceded that Sheffield United stat hovering over them still they they do have Newcastle next should should Leeds be at all concerned their supporters I, I mean there are a number of issues within the team that have not been solved, and I think there is a there probably is a flip side to some Marcelo Bielsa's dogmatism in that it provides Leeds with very many advantages that other managers couldn't do, and and certainly other elite managers wouldn't have been prepared to do by going there when they're in the Championship. But there is a slight flip side to that in that you know he is at, constantly asked about the set piece issue, and he says, well, if you look at the net table, we we conceded fifteen last season, but we scored eleven, so we're only a minus four, and you think. That's fine, but you are still man-marking at set-pieces with a not particularly tall team and consistently losing your men at those set-pieces and therefore giving up big chances. And, you know, the underlying numbers suggest that they, they concede about the right amount of set-piece goals for the amount of chances they give up. Uh, so, And they aren't really improving in that. Um, there is a danger, I think, that it's gone a little bit flat, but I don't think they'll be in any trouble. Because I think that the advantages that Bielsa provides gives them a, a you know a natural boost that Sheffield United maybe did couldn't produce last season, should we say? Mm, all right, Liverpool have got Champions League action, of course, coming up this Wednesday. It's Milan at Anfield. We'll be hearing from James Horncastle on that 
fixture a little bit later on. Daniel, you saw Man City taking on Leicester Saturday afternoon. Can we have a word on on that or two? Uh, and I imagine there'll be Bernardo and Silva. Yes, I mean, <laughs> City look. You know, ignore the 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 slightly unfortunate, slightly tepid one nil defeat to Spurs on the opening weekend. But City look back to their kind of 2018-19 ilk where Bernardo Silva's running the show. Gabriel Jesus is is nipping here and there. They look defensively solid. Um, they're creating a huge number of chances. They are still missing a number of those chances. And if, if they hadn't won on, on Saturday, I would have been writing that maybe they did need a number nine after all. But um, they're getting it done. And you know, they had 25 shots against Leicester. Uh, they made Leicester look incredibly ordinary, kind of pressing high at the pitch, forcing mistakes and passing out from defence. You know, they creating chances within two or three seconds of winning back the ball. These are the the attributes of, of 2018-19 City. And um, a tough Champions League group, I think, is a slight fly in the ointment for early season. But they, yeah, they look like they are up to speed very, very quickly. Without, mm. we should say, I mean, their bench on Saturday was outrageous it had De Bruyne it had Foden it had Sterling it had John Stones it had Zinchenko I mean there's a lot to come still uh and yeah I think they they already look ominous again okay and Bernardo Silva looks back to where he's best yeah yeah I mean Guardiola was very open and said I'm happy for Bernardo to leave but not because I want him to but because I don't want any player here who, who wants to leave but the bid never came. I think he was probably a victim of a slightly shrinking transfer market. And his professionalism has never been in doubt. And, and you know, I, I remember after, I think it was after Liverpool won the league. Oh, no, it was 2018-19 when, when City won the league. Uh, and I think Van Dijk was named Player of the Year. I think it was that season. Uh, uh, and Pep was sure that Bernardo Silva was the best player in the country. He said the way he works to win back the ball and then immediately like flicks into creative mode there's not really any other players in the league that can do that. They all take a couple of seconds to kind of work out what they're going to do next and Bernardo doesn't. And they call it, I say, I wrote on Saturday, they call him bubblegum at City because of the way the ball kind of sticks to him constantly, even when he's under pressure from two or three players. And I think we, we just said it about Salah, but I think he's a, a hugely underrated player because he, you know, he's not particularly quick and he's not particularly physically imposing and he doesn't score many spectacular goals, but he is, he's the glue in that City side at the moment. Brilliant stuff from City. Disappointment for Leicester, who have the chance to go again Thursday against the very informed Napoli. That's going to be a, a fascinating match, although there is kind of one big question mark over it from, from the Neapolitan's point of view. They're not able to bring quite a few of their players because of the quarantine rules. Their players did actually bother to go to South American and, and, and African um, World Cup qualifiers, and as such, as it stands, won't be allowed to enter the UK because of having been in red zone countries it seems a bit unfair after you know Premier League players didn't go then kind of got away with it because FIFA back back down yeah yeah it does I, I I mean clumsily pivoting to something else on Leicester I I, uh, I think Brendan Rodgers is going to have to change his attacking plan at the towards the end of last season or for the second half of last season he famously played Iheanacho and Vardy as a front two and Iheanacho had the time of his life and he's gone back to the original plan at the start of the season just playing Vardy on his own I don't know if Iheanacho is not quite fully fit and, and Daka settling in, but yeah, Vardy looks pretty isolated and James Madison 
did not play very well, hasn't been playing that well so far this season. And I think he's going to have to go back to that front too, whether it's Dakar or Inacho with Vardy, because they're just, they look too easy to, to control at the moment, Leicester, which is kind of the antithesis of what Rogers wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. We'll hear more about Napoli's fantastic start to the season. Meanwhile, in Tuesday's European edition of the Totally Show, Man City will be up against uh, RB Leipzig in the Champions League on Wednesday. Chelsea in Champions League action on Tuesday. They'll be hosting Zenit St. Petersburg, fresh from that 3-0 win over Aston Villa. Dom, did you see this game? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. A Villa kind of comfortably beating Chelsea for most of the game, apart from the scoring goals <laughs> bit, and thus losing 3-0. Three, <laughs> three yeah, oh, irritating that for Villa, isn't it? Um, no, they they were very good first half. They they did control it. And Chelsea, I think I think a few of them going back to the uh, almost harking back to the, the City situation as well. It's I think it's difficult for some of these elite clubs immediately after an international break where they just simply haven't had very many bodies at their training ground in preparation. I think some of the smaller clubs so to speak who have more people to work with it probably benefits them slightly more and and Chelsea just looked Chelsea looked a, a mishmash of a team in as much as Tuchel's obviously um he wanted to, to give the fresher players game time um ahead of a, a hectic schedule where the group stage kicks in in the Champions League and and it, it just looked a bit awkward the combinations all looked a bit awkward where Villa looked more settled they looked they looked yeah, in control, but they didn't take their chances. And the difference in in the match ultimately was the fact that that, that Chelsea had the clinical striker on the pitch, the ruthless player. That Romelu Lukaku at the moment, I think he had twenty five touches in the game. He scored two goals. I mean, mm. his as a second coming, a, a second home debut for for him. I mean, that was almost a a, a dream scenario for him. I mean, he he, he is. He doesn't. He doesn't surprise us anymore. He's doing exactly what they thought he would do. He, he's he he rolls defenders. He he runs in behind. Um, he's he's got the game intelligence, the movement, the, the touch is there. He's not. It's not like it was in, in in his certainly in his previous stint at Chelsea. And he's just added this another dimension to to Chelsea's forward line. I mean, a, a team that was profligate last season just looks ruthless now because of him. Mm. Um, and you know, and they they, they capitalise on on Tyro Mings's error as well, and Kovacic is, is is playing out of his out of his skin in midfield as well. So they've they've got a lot going for them. They've got a lot of options, and I suspect they'll be by the end of this little flurry of of, of games ahead of the next international window. I think Chelsea will be playing far more cohesively as a team, um, and they'll still be winning games, probably as convincingly mm. as the three 0 scoreline suggested on Saturday. Here's a stat I wasn't expecting. Those were Romelu Lukaku's first ever goals at Stamford Bridge for any club, which which I find remarkable. They had a clinical, ruthless striker, as you say. They also had their first-choice keeper in Mendy, who had a, a brilliant game, while Villa, because of that whole quarantining thing, were missing uh, Emi Martinez and also Emi Buendia. Uh, uh, Carl, you were scratching your head over Aston Villa. Uh, th- this game, I imagine, is, is, is part of the whole kind of conundrum for you. Yes, I think they are Europa quality in the squad. I can't quite make out if it's Europa League or Europa Conference they're going to end up in. But there's there's something in Aston Villa that is quite promising. Leon Bailey was okay against Chelsea, I think. 
I think what was remarkable about Chelsea right now and their strength and depth is that Sal had one of the poorer debuts I've seen in the Premier League in a little bit. 45 minutes to forget. And Chelsea just went, okay, fine, off you come. In goes Jorginho. Whereas uh, Aston Villa seem to be having a couple of teething problems with their new, new signings as well. So I think both teams will be there or thereabouts. I still think Chelsea probably have the edge in the title race. Um, I just can't quite figure out what exactly this final, the final form of this Aston Villa squad will be yet. I wonder if part of it is uh, individual mistakes in that Don mentioned they look, you know, they looked in control and they created chances and Carl mentioned we can't quite work them out. But I think the season they came up, they I think only two teams in the league made more individual mistakes. Last season, only two teams in the league made more individual mistakes. Tyro Mings makes an individual mistake for the goal. It's almost as if there's kind of two forces battling each other and um, for half of a game, one of them wins and they look really good. And then occasionally the other one, kind of the, you know, the, the bad conscience sat on the shoulder interrupts and something silly happens and it kind of undermines the good work which kind of creates that scenario where yeah are they a good team because they're playing well or are they a bad team because they're making mistakes it's kind of hard to work out Mm. all right well more evidence to come next week next up for us on the totally show it's palace ah the summer was fun wasn't it no allegiances everyone getting behind england three lions being sung everywhere But now the Premier League is back. Get Grealish off the bench. Ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands. Now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming. Now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... (coughs) Paddy Power. 18plusbegumbleaware.org This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Moving through the Tottenham defence, Edouard in the middle with an early opportunity maybe, gets his shot around! That's how you announce your arrival! Conor Gallagher, Edouard's in again, Edouard for another! Oh, he's got another! League-leading Spurs humbled 3-0 by Crystal Palace on Saturday. Here's Dom Fifield on Twitter. Wow, that doesn't happen at CPFC. <coughs> I was talking about the striker. I was talking about a Palace signing a striker who then scores after 25 seconds of his debut. Mm. I, I actually I actually did some research for this show and listed all the strikers that Palace have signed since they got promoted in 2013. And it's a it's a motley crew and I'm going to read it to you now. So give me 10 minutes. Um, Dobby, Amiobi, Jerome, Chamak, Gale, Andy Johnson, Sonogo, Keshi Anderson, Fraser Campbell, Adebayor, Ladapo, Bamford, Wickham, Remy, Benteke, Serloth, Ayu, Tosin, Bachwai twice, Mateta, and now Edouard. And of all of those guys, mm. I'm pretty sure Edouard's the only one who scored in his debut. And wow, he just they probably would have I mean, done better with the actual Motley crew, you know. <laughs> 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 there were some great names in there. Yeah, no, it's, it, that's an incredible roll call. 
Yeah, Edouard, the first player to score a brace on his Premier League debut as a substitute, getting a little bit fiddly this stat since Sergio Aguero though that's the nice bit since Sergio Aguero for Man City a decade ago Wolf Saha from the penalty spot with 14 minutes ago of course before all of this Spurs had gone down to 10 men after Zaha's clash with uh, Tanganga and and then the penalty was for the uh, handball when Ben Davis if you wanted to demonstrate what would be a handball offence that I mean you'd stick your arm out like, like this and and I, I thought it was surprising uh, from Ben Davis, but anyway, uh, Palace. I mean, beyond the fact that they were playing ten men, very good for this. Yes, yeah, they 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 merited it. It wasn't a great first half, but they 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 had it was starting to wear Spurs down by the break, and then they capitalised late on. I mean, it, I'm not going to be don't get ahead of ourselves. It was a brilliant time to be playing Tottenham Hotspur, absolutely brilliant time. I mean, they, they for them to start that game with Eric Dyer and Tanganga in. in in central defence, and then to lose Dyer very, very early on, and to end up with Davies playing that centre back, um, I mean, it's stuff of dreams for for Patrick Vieira. Um, but Palace are trying to be something different this year. They're trying to be more proactive and more aggressive going forward, and that's exactly what they were. Um, it's given Zaha a new lease of life. They've got options to throw on from the bench. I mean, the fact they could bring Edouard on and Michael Olise, who I'll I'll repeat, I'm pretty sure I said it last time on this show, Elise is going to be a star and he will be drawing the attention by the end of this season. Um, he is very, very good and a creative force um, and it's still a teenager. So th- there's a lot going for them. Conor Gallagher is a force of nature in midfield as well. I mean, he never stops running the kid. He's, he's astonishing. And when you've got him and James MacArthur, he's at the other end of his career, but equally aggressive with his running and energetic. It's There's a good balance to it all. And long may it continue. As for Spurs, Daniel, this was as bad as anything under Jose Mourinho, you wrote. Yeah, I mean, Dom has referred to a couple of the excuses and there are a few. Um, you know, the the trio of players who were fined by the club for nipping off to South America without permission um, set the tone and, and that midfield looked well it looked it was you know it was nothing it was it, it didn't look to have a an obvious plan it just looked to be here are four players who are fit and have settled in at the club you know so there's no Brian Hill because he they've not settled in there's no Don Bele because they're not quite sure what's happening with him so they just picked the other four and it looked and like son that, as well yeah, no son, and, and and more worrying still than the defeat was the fact that Nuno refused to put a timeline on Son's recovery, other than saying it doesn't look particularly good, which is the worst of all news for Spurs because Kane is the is the superstar, but without Son, Kane is far less. And mm. I think I'm right in saying this was the first time in in his career that he's played a whole Premier League game without having a shot, uh, or even so, a touch in the opposition's box. Yeah, any Spurs fans are wondering what. How they'd have got on without Harry Kane got a little bit of a sneak preview uh, mm. there, and they have Chelsea next. Spurs, Chelsea, and you talk about it being ideal facing them with Eric Dyer and, and Tanganga there. Well, they, they might not have either. Tanganga's going to be suspended for the Chelsea game. Eric Dyer, I don't know how long he's out for. Davinson Sanchez, Christian Romero in quarantine. Yikes! To go back to Dom's point about the first half wasn't great. I, I watched the match today on Saturday night, and I think it was. Oh, early Wolf Zaha chance and it immediately skipped to the 42nd minute. So 
I, I can I understand theoretically what Tottenham were trying to do with that midfield diamond. So you know, try and clog up the middle and then attack through the break through the wings with with Lucas. Um, but ooh, a midfield diamond of Harry Winks, Hoiberg, Oliver Skip, and Delhi is not that is turgid. That is ugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm. All right. Anyway, Crystal Palace first win of the season. Arsenal. Also getting their first victory, the 1-0 to Norwich. Goal scored by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who likes scoring goals against the Canaries. Uh, A new Arsenal, some are saying. Others are saying, let's wait until they play someone who's not Norwich. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, they they created 30 shots, which um, is their most for, for almost four years in the Premier League. But... Um, you know, I was saying to Charlie before the show, I kind of wrote that that was great that he created th- 30 chances and then I thought, well, yeah, but he only scored one of them. So there are two ways of looking at that and, and they won't mm. get 30 chances every week. It is a new side though. Um, Arteta said after the game, these are his best 10 days in management, which sounded quite self-damning. But I think what he was referring <laughs> to was the fact that he's got these new players in. He got to spend the international break creating this new team and and in his defence, he picked a completely new team. He picked a brave team that if they hadn't won the game, he would have come in for huge criticism anyway. But people would have wondered, well, if the, the, these are the new players and you told us this was the future and they can't win in the present. So it was a huge win. It was a must-win game. But uh, yes, as you say, let's see them not crumble at Turf Moor next weekend first hmm. before we start saying they're back. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. With Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is handy for when Spurs stop pretending to be this ruthless winning machine and revert back to type. Ready for the fast bit? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. It's over 18's only. And please, gamble responsibly. Other stuff. Southampton West Ham finished goalless. Mikel Antonio, who was crowned Premier League Player of the Month on Friday, sent off for two bookable offences on Saturday. So that's unfortunate. Also because who's going to play in his position next week for them with him suspended? Maybe Nikola Vlasic, but... Yeah, Jared Bowden as a false nine was an option uh, that Rashane Thomas, who covers... Uh, West Ham for the Athletic once mentioned to me uh, and I think they've got two uh, promising strikers in the academy uh, their names currently escape me but yeah this is the not great scenario uh, and they've got Manchester United next which will be fun I think 
Uh, speaking of fun, what about Ralph Hasenhuttle and his sartorial selections this season? Uh, Carl, you've spent obviously a lot of time in deep with Saints. <laughs> what What's behind his new direction? Um, so Ralph Hasenhuttle is quite a superstitious gentleman. I know he wore a suit on his first ever Champions League game when he was in charge of RB Leipzig and then he lost and then he decided to never wear a full suit again in the game uh, and then he had another spell I think in the in Bundesliga Zwei where he wore some yellow trousers and they won a game and he just kept wearing that as well so he's currently wearing this sort of chino waistcoat biker chain thing um, and he was asked about this after the draw against Manchester United where I sort of what's the new look about and he said well you know I, I fancy the change that the weather's good and he said you know if you keep winning and keep getting results I'll just keep going with this outfit so uh, right. I think this sort of jobbing magician uh, look will continue until Southampton <laughs> lose a game <laughs> but if you're Southampton manager and you never wear your clothing choices again if, if they coincide with you losing a match presumably by the end of pretty much a season you're going to be down to what a mankini a pair of like nipple clamps or what he he, he didn't change up too much after a certain high scoring defeat and then he didn't I think he stopped wearing the cap after another certain high scoring defeat as well um, curious soul uh, and does rather suggest that when he gets it right the rest of the mm. league is in all sorts of trouble, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, that was that game. Also this weekend, Brighton made it three wins out of four. Crikey. It took them 19 matches to achieve three league wins last season. They've already done it in the first four games. This time, after going to the Brentford Community Stadium and winning 1-0 with that 90th minute beauty from Leandro Trossard. Excellent. Brighton outperforming next year. Oh, God. I waited for this so long. <laughs> sweet, Amazing. sweet variants. Is this suggesting that Tony Bloom was in the away end in this game because of his relationship with, uh, or his non-relationship yeah. with Matthew Benham? A <laughs> um, bit of a grudge match on the, on the old ownership mm. model. But a great result, a fantastic result, because I think, I think Brentford, Brentford will... Uh, We'll ruffle a few feathers at that stadium this this season. They'll make it life very awkward, and and Brighton weathered it. But they've they've got they've got a very solid base, Brighton, and they have got talented players. And McAllister and Trossard are two of them who I think look as if they've really clicked into gear early this season, which is great good news for them. Indeed, uh, the other game played so far this weekend uh, was Wolves winning two 0 at Watford, uh, finally getting their first goals of the season. The first of them contributed by a Watford themselves. Daniel, uh, this was something that struck a chord with you, Chilean Francisco Serialta. Yeah, it was just a, a horrible piece of fate in that Watford campaigned to have players made available. And I think it was around 11 o'clock on Friday night that they discovered that um, FIFA had ruled in their favour after the Chilean FA had, had requested that players including Sirialta would be banned um, and yes he then scores a bizarre own goal because normally at least with an own goal you can tell what the players are kind of trying to do it reminded me a little bit although not a spectacular of that famous Ian Dowie own goal where he he kind of just rushes into the back post and rises to score a header and it looks like he's forgotten which penalty area he's in it's kind mm. of similar in that he just 
I mean, he just aimed a header past his own goalkeeper and, and absolutely nailed it. Well, that's nice. Um, Moise Kane did a similar one, actually, for Juve in their, in their defeat away to Napoli on Saturday, which has left them, by the way, fact fans, a whopping eight points off the top of the table and only goal difference outside the relegation zone, this after just three rounds of the City A season, admittedly. But anyway, Wolves, and they came up with a second goal. Remember, they'd had 69 unsuccessful shots without scoring before this match, but 2-0 here, the second coming from Huang Hee Chan, which wrapped up the point. So Watford, to update that stat from Thursday's pod, opening game of the season, they were looking brilliant, 3-0 up, with 20 minutes to go against Carl's Aston Villa. Since then... It's been a constant downward spiral, conceding seven goals without reply. But they do take on Norwich next Saturday, so there's that. Uh, Everton against Burnley is your Monday night clash. Toffees can join Man United, Chelsea and Liverpool at the top of the table, or at least be level on ten points if they win. Very good. After that, loads of Champions League action on the way. We're going to focus on one fixture in particular in a second or two, but first, let's get some odds from Paddy Power with producer Charlie. Thank you, James, and thank you, listener, for definitely still listening at this point. I'm joined by Carl Monaghan from Paddy Power, and we're going to be talking about the return of the Champions League. Sorry. League. Carl, it's Barcelona v Bayern on Tuesday, and I can't be the only one who's wondering what the odds are of another 8-2. Well, a repeat of the 8-2 Bayern Barca massacre at the Camp Nou this Tuesday, Charlie, We'll give you 200 to 1 about that. Chances are pretty slim. But the wonderful traders of Paddy Power make the Bavarian heavyweights favourites at even money. Barcelona are 23 to 10 and the draw is 14 to 5. Both sides are unbeaten so far this season. But Bayern have played three more games than the Catalans and come into this having won five on the bounce. Hard not to foresee Charlie a Bayern win here as life after Messi may well begin to rear its ugly head. Barcelona are a 22 to 1 shot to win the Champions League outright, while Bayern are a 7 to 1 shot to go all the way. In terms of the goal scoring markets, though, there could be some value here in backing the likes of Memphis Dubai, Robert Lewandowski, or even the moody Leroy Sane. All three players sparkled for their countries during the international break and should come back to their clubs with that bounce only goals can give you. Elsewhere, Liverpool are taking on Milan at Anfield on Wednesday. They've met in Istanbul, Athens but never Merseyside. How do you see this one panning out? Well, Charlie, the fans are back at Anfield, and that, coupled with the return of Man Mountain Virgil van Dijk, has already made Jurgen Klopp's men a tougher proposition to beat for visiting sides. Liverpool are the odds-on favourites at 1-2. to two. To win the game, the draw is 7-2, to two, and AC Milan are 9-2. to two. Now, AC Milan caught the eye on Sunday evening, to be fair, Zlatan came off the bench to help them to a 2-0 home win over Lazio, and that made it 3-3 from three in Serie A so far for the Rossoneri. But Liverpool should have too much firepower for them I feel Charlie and having a slice of Liverpool minus one at seven to five could be the way to play it in terms of the value so Bayern and Liverpool definitely ones for the Akers this week listeners and don't forget Charlie we here at Paddy Power will go money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold or more Akka lets you down you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18 to only terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop, which is good advice, I think, in pretty much any area of activity. Uh, totally Football League show. That's fun. That's out on Monday, uh, today. 
Uh, oh, it's going to feature, I imagine, some chat about that 3-3 between Reading and QPR, which, Dom, you went along to. Andy Carroll. No, I'm just no saying Andy, Andy Carroll. Carroll randomly. Was he actually <laughs> get on the score sheet? He's, a, he's not signed for them. He's not signed for them. Oh, he Andy didn't? No no, 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 no. Not yet, anyway. I mean, I think Reading probably do need a forward coming in. Um, although, that said, they... John Swift has scored six goals from midfield for them already this season, and that hat trick on—he's an ex-Chelsea player—and that that hat trick on uh, on Saturday was was superb, very well taken goals. But ready look aside, shorn of confidence. Um, QPR, exact opposite. They're 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 brimming with it at the moment. They look fantastic, really, really. I mean, if anything, profligate. They should have won the game comfortably, but there's mm. there's something quite impressive happening at QPR. They've 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 built. Quite a good squad on the quiet. They've got a lot of options, um, attacking options in particular, and to to bring on Albert Adoma and Andre Gray off the bench to to turn that game from three one down to to a, th- a three three draw was was impressive. Um, yeah, this and what I think over two thousand QPR fans in the ground as well. They were making a, a hell of a lot of noise. So it was a it was a good occasion. It was a good game. All right. Anybody else want to talk about stuff that happened in the Football League this weekend? Daniel? Move on, on Daniel. Again. Go on, pal. Move on. <laughs> but anyway, more about all of that on the Totally Football League show. A Totally Football Show European edition, meantime, that will drop on Tuesday. Looking ahead to the first match day of the Champions League and uh, ooh, probably a bit Europa League and that kind of thing. I-, I chatted Sunday night with James Horncastle about one Champions League game in particular. When you look at the fixtures this week, there's some huge ones in the Champions League, but the one which I think maybe catches our eye the most is Milan-Liverpool, because they've only ever met before in Champions League finals, and also because it's Milan and Liverpool. How, how big a game does this feel like to you? It feels replete with history, tradition. I think it's fantastic to see Milan back in this competition because they are associated with it. Um, in fact, they've defined themselves by winning this competition more than their domestic peers. You know, they've won it what seven times uh, compared with you know the three of Inter, the two of Juventus, or um, the six of Liverpool. Or the six of Liverpool. So um, to have been out of this competition uh, for the last seven years, I think it has made it less of a competition. Right. Because uh, Champions League needs Milan. So this is a hugely prestigious fixture. Can this Milan, with the departures we've seen over the summer, can they live up to this kind of game? I think it's still early uh, for them. Um, you know, they played in the Europa League last year. I thought they played well against Manchester United, particularly at Old Trafford. Kessie scored a fantastic goal that night. I think they deserved more uh, from that tie. But yeah, I think Liverpool are far and away ahead of them um, at the moment. Um, and that's not a slight on Milan. It's just a recognition that Liverpool have become you know, one of the, if not you know, the three best teams, I would say, in, uh, in European football. Um, so uh, they've still got a long way to go, but I think it's only by measuring themselves against um, the likes of Liverpool, the likes of Atletico in this group as well, that Milan will uh, get better and compete again, maybe for this trophy at some stage. Well, we saw on Sunday uh, Milan continuing their perfect start in Serie A by uh, beating the also previously perfect Lazio 2-0 at San Siro with Ibrahimovic back and 
and scoring the, the second goal. If they were to beat Liverpool midweek, how might they do it? Well, I think Milan have put together quite an athletic uh, team uh, with uh, Teo's for his uh, acceleration um, from the back um, really adds to what they've got uh, in attack. And I think they match up quite well against Premier League teams. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why Kessie, for example, appeals um, to the likes of Tottenham, the likes of Manchester United, the likes of Chelsea. And I think yeah, they've got two players up front who some Milan fans are eager to see play together, Giroud and Zlatan, who know the Premier League, know what it takes to play against a, a Liverpool a team, a Liverpool backline as well, and deliver. And I, I think it's it's actually going to be very interesting to see, I think, how you know Ibrahimovic again uh, struts on this stage. Um, because we have seen over the last couple of years at Chelsea how well Giroud performs, um, be it in their last Europa League win, uh, be it in the Champions League as, uh, as well. Um, so, you know, I think Milan have lots of ways to beat teams. So, so yeah, I think it's a it's it's going to be a great occasion for us to either to follow Anfield or to follow um, on the goal show, James. On the goal show, it's true. Show. Oh, brilliant! Well, thank you so much for being with us uh, for now, James Horncastle. Pleasure. James Horncastle, uh, Daniel, you'll be going along to Anfield. You're all about going to games now. <laughs> yes, a, a glut to begin with. Yeah, yeah I'm really excited. Uh, this is. I think probably the best Champions League group uh, on the basis that it has supposedly multiple elite teams in it, but it also is reasonably close. Um, I think Porto uh, and Atletico Madrid probably both think that they can qualify and Liverpool and Milan certainly both think they can qualify. So it makes every game in this group vital. So I think sometimes in the Champions League group stage when you have one weaker team, you get a slightly sluggish start, whereas Neither team can afford that here. Liverpool need to get over the Harvey Elliott kind of headache, sad, sad as it is, and, and push on and win this game. Because if they if they don't, then you immediately feel like you're playing a little bit of catch-up. Mm. Other exciting games this week include Barcelona-Bayern on Tuesday. That's from a group featuring also Benfica and Dinamo Kiev. And also Inter against Real Madrid or a repeat of last season's uh, group stage matchup. They're in a group with Shakhtar Donetsk and Sheriff out of Transnistria. But anyway, that's going to be interesting. That's on on Wednesday. Carl, Don, what are you looking forward to from the midweek action? Well, I'm going to one. I'm going to Chelsea, Zenit, St. Petersburg, strangely, <laughs> wow. at Stamford Bridge, which I think will be a, the start of Chelsea taking control of that group. Seems fair. Carl? I'll be covering Young Boys versus Manchester United, which should be a fairly straightforward victory for Solskjaer's team the last time the two teams faced or opened the Champions League together uh, United won 3-0 and Paul Pogba got himself a goal under Jose Mourinho so should be okay um, always watch Atalanta as James Horncastle likes to tell us with some other uh, very very intelligent football pundits so uh, yeah I'll be enjoying that when I can later on although if you were watching Atalanta this weekend you'll have seen them losing at home to Fiorentina which is a bit of a surprise, though. Nice to see Fiorentina doing better. Uh, Atalanta in Champions League action will be away at Villarreal. Uh, two teams that have very differing interpretations as to how to play football. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. 
Anyway, if you're not sure which game to follow, <laughs> the good news is that the Goals Show will be returning this season on BT Sport. And uh, we'll be on air from, I think, 5 to 8, something interesting like that. Uh, just in time for the evening kickoffs, we'll bring you all the goals from the, the early games and then romp through all the uh, the 8 o'clock matches and that in the company of James and Rafa and Julien and a bit of Don Hutchison thrown in from time to time. Great. Uh, excellent. Uh, for now, though, that wraps it up for this edition of the Totally Football Show. Many, many thanks, listener, if I may, on your behalf to uh, Carl Anker and to Dom Fifield and to Daniel Story and to producer Charlie. And go and have a thanks yourself for sticking with us. We'll be back, well, Tuesday with the Euro stuff and then Thursday to review the Champions League games. For now, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.